What's up, everybody? Hey, I want to welcome you to Liquid Church. My name's Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. Let's give a big welcome to all our campuses joining us. What's up, guys? Great to have you all across the state. Church Online, Facebook Live, glad you're with us for this series, Speak Life. Before I jump into that, did you hear what happened last night? We had over 780 people in Ocean Grove for worship on Saturday night. I'll show you a quick picture, Rick. Uh, it was so cool. This is a small group of young adults who was there, but we had people from all over the state, so many from um, Monmouth County, Ocean County, uh, Asbury Park, Bradley Beach, you name it. Uh, people packed out the great auditorium. What we're doing is we're building our launch team for the launch of our seventh campus in September. So uh, it's, we're going to do this every Saturday night. So if you are down the shore next Saturday, six o'clock, Ocean Grove is a place to be. Uh, we hope that you get a chance to visit, drop in, just see what God's doing. It kind of feels like a revival down there. It's like a historic place and there's no air conditioning, so I sweat like a hog. It's uh, kind of crazy, but we're enjoying it. All right, we're going to jump in today. We're in this series called Speak Life, and this is about the power of words, using the right words at the right time, because we're learning that our words actually have great creative power. When God created the world, he spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, we don't have that kind of power, but you have the power to speak life, uh, love, joy, hope into people, or you can sow division, conflict, unrest. Um, whether you speak your words or you email your words during the week, some of you text your words. Uh, in fact, I personally think texting is the best way to really miscommunicate how you really feel. You know, have you, have you ever seen some of these texts? This is kind of funny. This guy's uh, text, dude, what is your street name? Lil Marco. You live on a street called Lil Marco? Oh, you meant my address? You got that? You got everybody have a, you got a street name? Okay. All right. <laughs> some of you are like, oh, I got that. You're so gangsta of you, Pastor Tim. All right, next one. This is kind of funny. Your mom and I are going to divorce next month. What? Why? Please call me. No, I wrote Disney. The phone changed it. We're going to Disney next month. You got to love autocorrect, right? This by far, though, is the most awkward text I've ever seen. Look at this one. Uh, Jenny, I think we need to spend some time apart. Oh, nice, Jen. Dumping me over text. Real classy. Whatever. I want to be done with you anyway. Well, I meant to write, spend some time at Pat's not time apart, but this has been enlightening. Oh, ha, I was just kidding. <laughs> I just, I was kidding. <laughs> A little bit awkward, you know. George Bernard Shaw famously said, the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And that's why I think today's message is going to be really helpful to you. It's a Monday morning kind of put it into action kind of message. It's called, I said this, you heard that. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you uh, in a relationship, okay, where, where, where you, you, you said this, you know, to your, your spouse or your roommate, you know, about cleaning the house, but they heard that. Or you said this to your, you know, teenage daughter about curfew, but she heard that. Or, or, or at work, right, you work with your, your team or something and you're like, Here's what I want you to do. You, you think you said this. You set very clear expectations, and they, like, deliver something totally different. And you, like, just kind of shake your head. You're like, what the heck happened, you know? I, I said this, and, and you did that. And they're like, well, I don't know. This is what I heard you say. I can think of many examples from my own life, uh, both personal and professional, but I'll share a quick one from my marriage. Um, this Friday, my wife, Colleen, and I will be married 22 years. Let's hear it for her. 
She is a patient, patient woman. And, uh, oh, what an awkward thing. I'm wearing the same shirt. Look at that. That's, wow. Should have let my wife dress me. Uh, you know, you figure after two decades, we'd have this thing figured out. But if you ask her, we still struggle with this. You know, I said this and you heard that. Um, on Mother's Day, uh, I, asked, I said, hey, it's going to be Mother's Day weekend. And, I, you know, we want to celebrate you. What do you want for Mother's Day? And she said, I don't want anything big. I just actually have one very practical request. She said, can you please clean your half of the bedroom? Because, like, our bedroom is a tale of two cities, Okay. Let, let me show you a picture of the nightstand next to my wife's side of the bed, okay? So take a look at this. This is my wife Colleen's nightstand. Uh, there's a watch. There is a plant. There is a lavender oil diffuser, okay? So it's like picture, very zen, clean, orderly. This is the other side. This is my nightstand. <laughs> exact twin nightstand, right? But you look at it, and it's kind of like beautiful mind, right, kind of thing. It's like... Just stacks and stacks of books, because I typically am reading three or four at the same time. I'm skimming magazine articles. I got my, you know, clicker on here, because I'm watching the Yankees out of the corner of my eye. And she goes, don't you feel overwhelmed <laughs> by that? I was like, not at all, you know? And she's like, but they're everywhere. And I was like, baby, I just go vertical. I just stack them up, you know? So I have piles. It looks like little city, like a skyscraper's everywhere on our bedroom. And so she says, for Mother's Day, Tim, could you just get rid of the stacks? That's what she said, the stacks. And so the books, I said, my books? And she goes, not just books, it's your T-shirts. I am a compulsive T-shirt hoarder. Uh, I have over 100 T-shirts. About half of them are from liquid, okay? It's like... Uh, I don't know if you've had this, but for about 12 years, I have not thrown out any of my T-shirts. And she's like, she's like, half of them you don't wear, half, the other half you don't, you know, you don't fit. And she's like, can you just, <laughs> just get rid of some of these stacks, you know? Because when the laundry gets done, if like you do it all at once, I can't fit them all in the drawer, so they're spilling out. But again, I can just go vertical. And I was like, no problem, baby. Mother's Day, happy Mother's. Day. I'm going to do that for you. Well, the days leading up to Mother's Day, I'm like, you know what though, like. Cleaning up t-shirts, it's not very romantic, man. I, this girl deserves to be celebrated. I just want to honor, let, let's throw a party, kids. And so on Saturday, instead of, you know, dealing with the stacks, uh, we go to the, you know, the garden center and we get, you know, some planters, we put the flowers in it. The kids and I make homemade cards, balloons, we get an ice cream cake. So Sunday, we invite everyone over, you know, after church, we have music, we play cornhole. Woo, how fun is this? A lot more fun than t-shirts, I can tell you that. She said, I want a clean bedroom, and I heard, I want a party, okay? Just make a big party. So party was fun. She appreciated it, but I could tell that night she was a little bit disappointed, you know? Like, like we're lying in bed, and she went in the dark, and she just says, so I'm still surrounded by your stacks, <laughs> she said. And, and there, I could hear her disappointment. And so for Father's Day, I was like, I'm going to become the husband she dreams of. And so Saturday morning, I don't know what triggered it. I get these um, black leaf bags, you know, the big like leaf plastic bags. And I literally, I'm like, this is the day. And I start going through shirts. Like, I like this one. I like, this. it's like, this is going to take forever. <laughs> Boom, just, just drop them in the bag and everything. And I'm just like, you know what? Just, and so I start six leaf bags full of t-shirts, if you can imagine. And then I was like, you know what? This is awesome. I'm going to impress her. So I go in the closet. And I was like, I don't wear these suits. <laughs> Boom, throw them in the bag. Eight leaf bags full of clothes, okay? Now, again, I just, it's not, we're not rich. I just, I just don't throw stuff out. So I got them in these bags, and I'm tying them up, and I'm like, she's out right now at the store. She didn't even see me do any of this. 
and I want a little credit. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I wanted to see, because this is pretty amazing. So I actually empty them all out on the bedroom floor. So there's a pile. Yeah, so she can appreciate it. That's right. I see your face. She's just like. <laughs> and so sure enough, she comes up the stairs, and I'm just standing there. And there's this mound of clothes. And then I was just like. I was like, I, I gave the woman the soccer pose like this. I go, baby, right? And she just goes, wow. Wow. Okay, yeah. All right. And she just puts down her coffee and starts going through the pile and sorting them according to genre of clothes. Uh, the shorts here, uh, shirts here. And then she goes about smoothing each one, getting a lint brush and going over them and folding. I'm like, what are you doing? I just, I just got rid of all the stacks. We're just going to chuck them in the dumpster behind ShopRite. They don't have to fold any of this stuff. She goes, no, 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 no. We, she goes, we need to take this to the mission. We, got, we want to donate some of these are lightly used you know, clothes, like a suit. You get, that's a good suit. So uh, anyway, she ends up spending three and a half hours going through the pile, sorting them. And, uh, and I'm like, again, this, this, there's no point to this. We're just, you know, and she's like, no, you need to do this right. Here's a pic of some of the, uh, the stacks that she, she folded there. And again, we had about 18 stacks, different, different styles and clothes, all that. And so we end up taking it to the mission to make this donation. And uh, she goes, now, doesn't this feel much lighter to you? Doesn't it feel lighter? And I'm like, well, who cares if it feels lighter? I go, you are married to an all-star husband. Did you, I, I, I followed through on this. And there was this sense like we got the job done, but we somehow missed each other in the process. Like, like. She said this, and I heard that, and neither of us really got the kind of emotional satisfaction we were hoping for. Now, I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's a huge part of everyday life, right? Because, like, miscommunication causes problems. There's always two parts of communication. There's expressing your ideas or your wishes um, to the person that you love, but communication isn't just about what's said. It's also about what's heard. And most of us communicate through words, but the, 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 the secret is we include all these unspoken emotions and opinions and thoughts and personality quirks, and all of those are in play. And so the opportunity for miscommunication is very real because every single one of us is wired by God with a different set of inner needs. Some of us want, like my wife, peace and harmony, you know, Zen kind of. Some of us need credit for their work, you know. I recently heard that 90% of all problems in the workplace are communication issues, 90%. 90% of marriage problems trace its roots back to miscommunication. In fact, most problems in families between, uh, you think, parents and kids and relatives and in-laws, siblings even, if you have a difficult relationship, it's probably a communication issue with that person. Families have been fractured. Businesses Partnerships have been broken. World wars have actually started because of broken communication. But have you ever noticed, like, at the same time, certain words really, like, scratch an itch? Like, you talk to another person, and the way they respond to you, you're like, they get me. Like, they totally understand what's behind this. They click because they show that, like, I, I get you. I value you. You feel respected and appreciated. Instead of, you know, tearing them down, you actually build them up because you're, you're speaking their heart language. Well, this is the scripture I want to preach on today. It's a verse found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It is a single verse in the Bible 
um, I think is going to kind of open your eyes in a revolutionary way. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He was writing a letter to the early church in Ephesus. That's in uh, Turkey. And he wanted to teach the Christians there not just how to communicate effectively, but as a follower of Jesus Christ who sacrificed his life for us, how do you sacrifice your words. In other words, not just use them to communicate effectively, but love other people. Truly, sacrificially love them with your words. And to really listen, like hear what they're saying. And here's what Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.29. Here we go, church. Ready? Do not let any, what's it saying bold? Unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, how many of you have heard this verse before? You, you've heard this maybe in church, you read it somewhere. Okay, cool. I, I heard this, church, this verse growing up all the time. In fact, they, in middle school, they, it would always land because it, it's like, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And we interpret it always as like, okay, got it. Don't curse. Uh, don't cur- you know, cuss. Don't use, don't use dirty language or tell vulgar jokes. No, no four-letter words. That's what we were taught. It's just the plain meaning of the verse, no unwholesome talk. And that is true. But it, I did a little research here, and it's a lot deeper than that. Like, like, that's the surface meaning of it. But there is a profound, deeper meaning here. When Paul says, don't use any unwholesome words, words that are unwhole, I discovered he means that in a literal sense. Don't let any words come out of your mouth that don't contribute to the other person being more whole. It's, it, instead, it, what you say breaks them down. They become unwhole. Does that make sense? It hurts them. It tears them down. And so he contrasts it. Look at the second half of the verse. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But here's a, here's a solution. Only what's helpful for what? Say it together. Building others up according to their needs that it may benefit everybody who listens. In other words, most of us, if you're just a normal human being, we communicate according to our needs. Well, this is what I want to say to them. But Paul flips the script. He says, what if you actually communicated according to their needs? You actually first took into account um, their deeper needs, and then you actually uh, adapted your words, customized them accordingly. In other words, not just, uh, I said this, and you heard that. Paul's like, what if you flip it? Because I know how you hear, I'm going to say it this way. Does that make sense? I'm actually going to use my words according to your needs so that you feel built up in the process. You're going to benefit from the way I communicate with you and really feel heard or listened to. I mean, th- this is a revolutionary idea, guys. I mean, typically, honestly, like when I'm, when I'm speaking to others, I'm, I'm typically, you know, I'm a communicator for a living, right? Like I'm trying to make my point. I'm trying to, whatever it is, I'm trying to, you know, get the last word in or, or sound smart, whatever it is that drives you. But Paul just kind of flips the script, and he says, instead of using your words to build up yourself, what if you instead said, I'm going to try to build them up and communicate in their language? So think about those that you love. I mean, what would it look like with your roommate or the person in your small group or here in church on the dream team, in your marriage, whatever it is, where you actually said, I'm not going to concern about my rights, but I want to think about how they hear. Whoa. That's hard, right? How would you learn to, to, to speak their love, native love language? For instance, if, um, 
If I had actually taken into account Colleen's need for order and harmony in our home, I would have realized when she said, uh, throw out your t-shirts, I would have been like, I think she means throw a big party. That's, that's really what she means there. I would have realized, oh, okay, she, she needs, she's telling me something about her feeling like my chaos and my clutter are not respectful here. She would have felt loved and heard and respected. And likewise, right, if she had said to me, wow, you know, what a mess, and, and now I got all this work. And she said, oh my gosh, I am married to an all-star husband. Uh, he is just, he's, she said, you're a smog, you're a sexy man of God, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, you, yes, baby. Now you're seeing, right? See, if you're going to learn to love others well and meet their needs, you got to learn how to speak their language. You're never going to get over that. Over here, there's a woman giggling, smog, sexy man of God. That's it. Try it. It's, uh, <laughs> use words that build them up and benefit all who listen. And there's so many benefits of this, guys. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to speak life on Monday morning, and use your words to love others like Jesus wants you to, you have to learn. How do we put Ephesians 4.29 into practice on Monday morning? Well, to do that today, I want to introduce you to a book that inspired the sermon. It's called, I Said This, You Heard That, with the subtitle, How Your Wiring Colors Your Communication. It's by Kathleen Edelman. She is a master in Christian counseling and psychology. And if there's one book I can recommend to you to this, this summer, like to read on the beach, or maybe your family or small group wants to read it, or as a couple, um, Colleen and I have been reading through it together. Uh, it's this amazing workbook. It's based on Ephesians 4.29, and it helps you put this into practice in everyday life. Um, Edelman has this kind of step-by-step -step approach, and it's a game changer. Like if you're a parent, you're having trouble communicating like with your teens or, or you, you work with coworkers or a difficult boss, it is for anybody who wants to use the Bible to communicate in a deeper, healthier way with those you love. And it's based on this Ephesians 4 passage, and it helps you identify what your unique wiring is. In other words, what are your natural strengths that God's given you? And then what's the flip side? What are the weaknesses you need to be aware of? Let me show you briefly how this works. Um, the applications of Ephesians 4.29 is filtered through the framework of the four temperaments. Basically, there are four temperaments. It's different than personality. This is, this is how you are predisposed to speak or hear certain words in a certain way. Think of it as your native language. This is like the language you were born with. And we'll kind of use colors. If you're yellow, you speak the language of people and fun. Uh, the word for that is sanguine, right? It's, it, it's, th this is me, okay? Like, woo, let's throw a party. Yeah, woo, people love it. Awesome. Uh, but if you're a red temperament, they speak the language of power and control. That's my wife, okay? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Got to be careful there. Sort of. Uh, so that's, that's right. That, that would be choleric. Melancholics or blue speak the language of perfection and order. Actually, that's really my wife. Remember her nightstand, right? Like, orderly, clean, harmonious. In some ways, she's green. She, she speaks this language of calm and harmony. Now, take a look at this. Does it describe anybody you know? Okay, don't point, don't point to them in church. It's not polite, okay? You probably can identify yourself, because these are based, by the way, way back ancient history. They're based on the bodily humors. There's a guy named Hippocrates. He's a father of medicine. That was hundreds of years before Jesus, and he described four categories of human traits or behaviors that he said were influenced by the humors or the fluids of the body. Now, as advances in medicine went on, they were shaped to apply to human temperament. Listen to what Edelman writes. She says this. 
Temperament is your innate wiring from God, what you're naturally disposed to. Like your eye color or your fingerprints, it's unchangeable. It's why some people are drawn to the spotlight and stage while others are content with a cubicle and a quiet office. (laughs) You don't choose who you are and you can't change how you're wired, though many of us try. So in other words, temperament is your God-given native language. When someone speaks to you, it colors what you hear. And when you speak, your temperament colors what you say. Um, so let's just kind of, by the way, just ditch these fancy words. Like, I, like flag, how do you even say that? Flagma. Flagma. It's like, just ditch that. Stick with the colors, okay? The colors match up well to the four temperament types. Yellow and red, these top two, are typically people who are extroverts. Now, that doesn't just mean they're like energy people who love people. It means in communication, they express their thoughts and emotions outward. These are people who speak before they think. Yeah? Yeah, it sound like anyone you know? They, 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 they have no filter, right? They just kind of, hey, what's going on, man? You don't know. They just blurt stuff out, right? In fact, a lot of these folks, actually, they need to start talking to discover what they really are thinking or feeling. Uh, you can call them verbal processors, right? Again, does this describe anybody? Now, yellow and red are extroverts, but watch this. Green and blue are typically introverts. It means they process their thoughts and emotions inwardly. These are folks who think carefully before they speak. Well, you know, he doesn't really say too much. That's because he's processing. She's weighing her words very carefully and processing and baking that idea fully formed before I would ever say that. Now, you may know what you are. Anyone want to guess, by the way, what I am? Anyone want to take a guess? Shocker. Yellow extrovert, okay? I speak the language of, you know, peep. Church is fun. Woo, let's throw a party. Yeah, wetsuits. Let's jump in the ocean. But more importantly, I'm a verbal processor. I will say stuff in meetings I'm not even sure I believe, you know? Because, because, I, not, not, because I just heard about it, and I'm still trying to figure out how I really feel about it, you know? So, like, I just got to put it out there, and I want to see how people get busy. It makes staff meetings super fun, by the way. <laughs> people are like, Tim's talking, buckle up. Here we go, you know? That's a strength and a weakness for a yellow-red. Because you better have a filter, because guess what? I work with a lot of green-blue people. And they don't, they don't speak carelessly. They, they won't say things until it's fully baked and run through a filter and carefully thought through. But by then, I'm like, on to the next thing. Look, a squirrel over here. This kind of... <laughs> now, another interesting way to look at God-given temperament is this way, is that red and blue are often task-oriented people. In other words, they, they are all about getting the job done. At the end of the day, if you want a priority, they want to accomplish things first, and then we'll take care of relationships. Whereas yellow and green prefer people over tasks. Relationships are their highest priority. So notice this plays against type. It's not just like, oh, extroverts like people. No, 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 look. Green is introverted, loves people, okay, but actually values the the relationship over the task. Whereas red is an extrovert, but at the end of the day, red is task-driven, Red are, are like leaders, visionaries, bosses. They want to get the job done. Anybody here work for a red? You know what this looks like, okay, in, in your job here? They speak the language of power and control. Think of like Steve Jobs, right? They make great leaders and visionaries, but sometimes if they're not careful, they can make people feel like they're the task. So that's a weakness you have to keep in mind. 
Now, many of you can probably guess what your temperament is, but I want you to remember. In Ephesians, Paul says, I want you to flip the script. I want you to build others up, not according to your needs, but who? According to their needs. That is, the goal is to take into account how the people you love are wired. Let their needs shape the language you use. So this isn't like, you know, navel gazing. This is just a simple tool to help you learn how to use words that build up those you love according to their needs. Now, in uh, Edelman's workbook, there is a short assessment of temperament. It takes just like 20 minutes. And so Colleen and I did it this week, and we just laughed, you know, because it was so spot on. Uh, Let me show you our scores here. I was lopsided yellow. It's like not even close, okay? Look at that. 31.63. Green, order and harmony, zero. (laughs) Like zero. It's incredible, right? Um, And so I'm like, but hon, look at the description of it. Great storytellers who bring joy, laughter, and optimism to everything they do. And she's like, keep reading. And I'm like, they're also forgetful, chaotic, move from one thing to the other. I'm ripping this page out, you know, I just kind of like, there's strengths and weaknesses. Colleen was a lot more balanced than I am. She was a mixture of red and blue. I was like, of course, you're all about power and control, you know, kind of thing. Order, look at your nightstand, order and perfection. See, they're not negative. Like you hear power and control, it's actually not negative. They're like, reds are super responsible, They are decisive. They will see something through to completion even when others quit. And they're often very good at delegating. Uh, Blues are detailed and orderly, but can be judgmental and critical if not careful. So there's strengths and weaknesses to each one. Now, obviously, there's a lot more nuance to it than this, all right? This is as far as I can go. But most of us are a mix. In other words, you probably have a dominant temperament, your primary, and then there's a secondary And you probably, like me, respond differently depending on the situation and the people involved. But what I want to share with you today are three very simple keys that can help you tomorrow morning, Monday morning, take words into account as you consider the needs of the other people you love in your life. Uh, If you're taking notes, the first one is this. Your temperament determines the words that you speak. Now, to help illustrate this point, I want to invite Pastor Kyra to come on out here and help me teach it. Would you welcome Pastor Kyra? Come on out, Kyra. Awesome. Kyra, this uh, I know has not just been helpful in your marriage, but also your ministry. Yes. Help us illustrate it a little yeah, bit. Yes, so I have been married for 16 years, and my husband and I are complete and total opposites. I'm a red married to a green. So I speak the language of power and control. And my husband speaks the language of calm and harmony. And so we are complete and total opposites, okay? I'm extroverted, he's introverted. I'm talkative, he's quiet. I'm bossy, he's kind. I'm quick-tempered, he's patient. And on and on it goes. And so as you can imagine, our temperaments have not always, you know, it's always gotten the best of each other. Sometimes we don't always use the words that the other person needs so that we can build each other up. And I'm going to give you an example of how this played out earlier this spring in our marriage. And if you can't relate to this example, don't judge me too harshly, okay? So back in spring, we decided we were going to get a shed for our backyard because our garage was overflowing and we wanted to make more space for our garage. And my husband was going through a very busy season at work. So I said, honey, don't worry. 
I'm gonna get the job done. Like, I will quarterback this and bring it all the way home. And so I get up on a Friday morning, I go to Costco, I purchase the shed, I hired someone that can deliver the boxes that the shed comes into my house, I go to Home Depot, I get all the wood that we're gonna need so that they can build the platform where the shed's gonna go on, I hire another guy, he goes to my house, he builds me the platform, he builds me the shed, he puts the shed in the platform, then I get a nap and I pay everybody involved in the transaction. So by the time my husband comes home, the shed has been delivered, built, and installed. Let's just pause there and say, girl boss, come on, give me some noise if you agree. <laughs> so I am in full get her done and do it well mode, and my husband comes from work. And he's driving, going into our driveway, and I'm in the garage, and I see him. And so he turns the car off, he opens the door, he puts one foot outside of the car, like he still has his other foot in the car, and I go up to him, and I'm like, hey, welcome home. As you can see, the shed has been installed. I need you to move everything from the garage, and I need you to do it now, because I'm gonna go and power wash everything after you're done. So do that first, then get me the powerhouse, the power hose, the, the mop, the broom. Let's get cracking. <laughs> let's, let's just acknowledge, that was a red, speaking power and control, to a green. Like, did I use words that built my husband up that were calm and harmonious? No, of course not. I was super bossy. I was in his face. I was using my power move. Uh, he hadn't even gotten out of his car. Like, it was terrible. So my husband, he does what any person with a solid green temperament does. He finished getting out of the car. He closed the door. He looks at me, and he walks on by, totally ignoring me, stonewalling me. And I was like, oh, it's about to go down. Because you don't ignore a Puerto Rican woman who's also a red. So I go up to him, and I'm like, honey, what's wrong? Like, literally, I have been working on this all day today. We have the chance to finish it. Let's just get it done. And you guys, you want to know what he said to me? He said... Kyra. Well, actually, I'm going to say it like he said it. Kyra. <laughs> I'm not your employee. I'm your husband. So don't order me around. Ah, oh, man. Guys, that stuff hurt because he was 100% right. So then when faced with the truth about myself, I did what any good solid Christian woman would do in my shoes. I refused to apologize and I ignored him back. <laughs> but I have to say, I give thanks to the Holy Spirit and the way that it lives in me because after spending time with Jesus, I felt so convicted about this blind spot that I had and I went back to my husband and I said, honey, I am so sorry. Would you forgive me? I've realized it's not what I say, it's how I say it. And because I want to love my husband well, I want to speak words that meet his needs. Can anyone, can anyone relate to this? Okay, can you relate to that? Thank you for your honesty yes. on that. I mean, that's the thing, guys. Your temperament determines the words that you speak. 
I mean, even it's so funny, Kyra, when she was first telling me this story and everything, I was like, so what did you say to him? She goes, I was like, welcome home. Now notice what she's using here. <laughs> Double barrel guns pointed at a green temperament, right? It's like, hey, do I have a choice in this? I don't think so. Build others up according to their needs that it benefits those who speak. No, those who listen. Let me give you some examples of what your strengths and weaknesses sound like. I put these in your notes in your app here. But if you're yellow, you speak the light. If I followed you with a tape recorder, you would hear a lot of this. Oh, that sounds fun. Awesome. Who's going to be there? Right? Kyra, hurry up. Do what I said. <laughs> Get in the car kind of thing, right? They're more task-oriented. Um, you know, green, where do you want to go? Whatever, I'm flexible. Okay, is it safe? <laughs> uh, is a blue kind of temperament. Let me show you like how this works. Again, let's say at the end of the service, you've got your family of four, you're with a small group of four, and you're like, hey, let's go out, you know, to, to eat for lunch. Um, uh, where do you want to go? Green says, whatever. I'm flexible, I'll go wherever. And, uh, and then of course, red is like, let's go to Chili's. We're gonna go to Chili's. They got apps there, it's on discount. And then uh, yellow's like, that sounds fun. Hey, why don't we invite these guys come with us and be more, the more the merrier kind of thing. And then of course, blue like, is it safe? I, 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 you know, like I heard the lettuce like might have E. coli, like is that, is that? And of course, you know, you know, red's like, no, 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 that's, that's not Chili's, that's Chipotle. And, uh, and, and they're like, Chipotle would be awesome. I love Mexican, man, that means it's so good. That means so good. Uh, you want to go there? Whatever, I'm flexible, just not out back, right? Like just kind of, you, you can see how they all interact in the mix. But if you are aware of the other people you love and you're like, I'm going to speak their language first, it changes the whole dynamic. Uh, I was a yellow kid growing up with a, with a blue mom. My mom was more, uh, she always wanted to know who's going to be there. Uh, is it safe? Who's driving? Yeah, no, no, it's going to be a ton of fun. We don't want that many people in the car, uh, you know, and, and she was very deliberative, would never give me a yes or a no right away. And you know what? As a yellow kid, it's kind of a, you know, a Tigger kind of guy. Uh, I used to resent that. But now, I just, years later, I've got like, you know, I got some perspective here. According to her needs, I realized she wasn't trying to be a, a hovering helicopter mom. That's just her love language based on her needs. Again, the more you understand the temperaments of those you love, the more you can put Ephesians 4.29 into practice. Don't let any unwholesome talk, it's not whole, come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, Kyra, why don't you come teach us the second point? Because it's important to notice, your temperament also determines the words that you need to hear. hear. That's correct. So let's think of it this way. Your temperament, that's never going to change. Okay, that's fixed. Your personality, on the other hand, that's fluid. You're not the same person that you were when you were 15 years old, and that's a good thing. And the words that you need to hear are going to be motivated by core innate needs that we have had since the moment that we were born. And these can be per, uh, temporarily satisfied, but they're not going to be permanently met. And so I'm going to give you an example of how you can use this at work. You'll notice that your needs vary by coloring. And so last April, I invited my entire staff to a potluck dinner with their spouses, and we went through this workbook together. 
and I discovered that we are a beautiful cornucopia of colors. Like I have people in every one of these, with every one of these temperaments. And so I'm gonna give you two examples of how I've applied this here at Liquid. One of my teammates is a yellow, okay? So they have four innate needs. They need approval, acceptance, attention, and affection. So one day after church, I let them know, you know what? I just wanna let you know that I see you doing phenomenal work here around the campus. Like I see how you have a heart to connect with people, to uh, connect people into a community of believers. I see the gifts that God has placed in you to do this work. And I just want to thank you for using those gifts to serve Jesus at Liquid. Now, if you notice, I'm using words that are building up their needs, okay? They need approval. I'm their boss, and I'm telling them, you're doing a great job. They need attention. What am I saying? I'm telling them, I see you here on Sundays. I acknowledge the gifts that you have. I, you're seen, you're noticed. And then affection, because we ended the conversation by me praying for them. I said, thank you, Jesus, for bringing this person here. I gave them a hug and a kiss because I love them. Contrast that with someone who is on my staff who has a blue coloring. Okay, their innate needs are safety, sensitivity, support, space, and silence. They need to know that you have their back. They need to be understood. They don't need me to say, hey, great job. I see you doing this on Sundays here. I see the gifts that you have. No, what they need is to feel that I have their back. And so what I do is when we are going through a big project at Liquid, I tell them, what can I take off your plate? What is one thing that I can remove from your workload so that you do only what you need to do? And that's how they feel built up. Notice the difference in the language. That's how you build people's needs. What's so interesting to me is that if you gave the exact same words, right? Mm -hmm. uh, hey, I see you. You're doing a great job. You aim those guns out of blue. Hey, I see you. They're going to be like, you've been watching me. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing an awesome job. You can, oh no, it's all on me. She's judging me, right? It's too much. So actually the way to encourage that person, build them according to their needs is to ask a question. Mm -hmm. What can I take off your plate? How can I help so they don't feel alone? See, guys, it's just customizing your language according to Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Think it through. Only what's helpful, put a filter there, to build others up according to their needs. So this is useful in any relationship, work, ministry, marriage, parenting. Kyra, you're a mom. Yes. Uh, you have a daughter. Give us an example from parenting. I do. So I have an 11-year-old mini-me. She's also a red <laughs> with a little bit of blue, so sense of control and perfectionism. And um, she wants to decide what she wants to wear for school. And as you can imagine... So, so she's interested in fashion. I, I'm speechless. I, I, I don't where know did she where get she this gets from? It from. <laughs> She wants to decide, and that has created some tension points between the two of us. But it's like Pastor Tim, you're saying, it's not about me and the words that I need. It's about building up her needs. And so okay. I sat her down, and I said, you know what, honey? You know our standards. So I'm going to let you decide what you're going to get to wear, not just today, but actually for the rest of the week. And if you do a good job, you can help me pick out your little brother's clothes. Ooh, you mean I get power and control over little brother? That is like a Jedi judo mom move right there. Well, That's like... actually the real <laughs> Jedi judo mom move is that if I don't want her to wear something, I just hide it. I drop. <laughs> 
But think about that, like in parenting, if you got a red kid, it's typically a battle because it's all about power and control. But you're just saying, hey, I'm going to challenge you. Not just today, do it for the week, and I'm going to give you input in something else. That's amazing. Again, the, God, the goal isn't to just understand your own wiring, but the needs of those who are closest to you, okay? So can we just thank Kyra? That's an awesome example. It's modeling it for us. Appreciate it. Guys, if you're taking notes, last point. Last point of Ephesians 4.29 is simply this. Every word that you use is a word that you choose. Remember the verse from last week, right? The tongue holds the power of life and death. It's either poison or fruit, Pastor Nathan said. You choose. What you say, the words you choose, it's going to either build them up and make them whole or tear them down and dismantle. So you better choose your words wisely. So here are three things that you can put into practice tomorrow morning to choose your words wisely. The first I would say is this. Take a pause. Just stop and breathe for a minute, okay? For those of us who are yellow, that this, like, this could be a game changer. I'm going to stop and think for a second who I'm speaking with before I even say a word. And this is very, very hard for verbal processors, right? We like to blurt things out, but you gotta take in time and actually say, what, what are the needs of my listener? What, what does my wife need? Um, what does the congregation need? Uh, I, I say that literally as a communicator. I'm like, what, what are the needs of, my, of, of the congregation? What are the needs of my son if I'm speaking to him? Because then you can craft your words accordingly what's helpful to them. By hitting that pause button before you talk, guys, you are sacrificing something, right? You're, you're sacrificing your temperament or your right to get your point across. And instead, I'm going to consider their wiring and how I can meet their needs the best. And then after you take a pause, give grace for heaven's sakes, right? Like give them grace. Just understand that person may be wired differently than you. Not wrong. It's just different. Is that okay with you? God wired them different from you. And then watch this. He gave you the gift of bringing you into relationship together. And so you've got a lot to learn. After 22 years, guys, literally 20 years of marriage, I'm finally learning that when my wife says, um, I want the bedroom cleaned for Mother's Day, what she really means is this. I want the bedroom cleaned for Mother's Day. Okay, that's just like, okay. It's not the big splashy party uh, that a yellow might think of. But she's red-blue, and you know what? That's awesome. That's great. Opposites attract, by the way. Most couples, statistically, they marry their opposite temperament. God's sense of humor. None of the temperaments, none of the temperaments are the same. None of them are better than the other. The key is to, to master your own and then give grace to others. And then finally, third, celebrate the difference, guys. It's understanding that her strengths are my weaknesses, and my strengths are her weaknesses. And so that puts us in this place of humility, right? Uh, of actually transparency and communication and dependency on the other. Remember, the Bible actually says, it says, um, be slow to speak and quick to listen. You ever wonder why God gave, how many ears do you have? How many mouths? One. What do you think God's trying to say to you? <laughs> he says, I want you to listen twice as much as you speak. Because remember, every word that you use is a word that you choose. What I want to end with is this. I love this little verb in here. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let. In other words, you have a choice in every conversation. You, you are literally choosing to let that word out of your mouth or keep it in and first craft it according to the other's needs. 
What I love about this verse is that there's a lot of times I just hear people say like, oh, well, sorry, I just had to say it the way, that's just how I am, that's just me, you know, I just, I'm Italian, I'm Puerto Rican, whatever your thing is, I'm red. I had to get that off my chest. Sorry, you just gotta deal with it. Uh Uh-uh, no way, Uh uh-uh. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you never get to use your temperament as an excuse or as a weapon. Well, that's just how I am, get used to it. You know what, do it yourself, hurry up, get finished. I'm just bossy, no, that's not true. You chose those words. Now your temperament may have naturally inclined you in a certain direction, but doesn't mean what you said or how you say it is right. So never make excuses, I'm, I'm hot-blooded, or right? well, I'm a just driven person. God says the words you say are supposed to be for the benefit of others. So guys, tomorrow, when you go home, when you jump in the car and go to Chili's or Chipotle, okay? <laughs> Color your words according to their needs. If they're yellow, celebrate their energy and fun-loving spirit. If they're red, hey, be grateful that they're actually decisive. They actually have a high sense of responsibility. Greens are easygoing, which is great. And blues may be quiet, but your job is to actually draw them out because they are deeply thoughtful people. They actually are, are thinking. Choose to use the words that your neighbor feels loved the most. Guys, my hope is that some of you this morning will be inspired to actually pick up a copy of I Said This, You Heard That. It's a workbook. Dive deeper into Ephesians 4.29. I would encourage you, if you're in a small group, maybe your group is meeting for the summer, awesome study Bible study to do together in a group. Uh, If you're married, this is an eye-opening way to learn how to love your spouse even more deeply. There is an assessment. It's a lot of fun, full of wisdom. So let's do this, church, to end. Let's use God's word to build each other up. Well, I want to read Ephesians 4.29 out loud as a church. Here are all of our campuses. Big, loud, voice. Here we go. Ready? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and ask you to now to help shape our words. Father God, I thank you for the different temperaments in this church family. Lord, we celebrate the difference. We love it, God. We see you more fully because of it. I thank you for our ministry teams and our leaders and our staff and our volunteers, our small groups. You've you've wired all your children differently so that we can see you more completely. So Father, I pray right now, I pray that there would be breakthrough in some relationships where there's conflict. There would be now grace, forgiveness, understanding, renewed depth of intimacy, Lord, in relationships. And Lord, I pray that everything we say and do this week would bring glory to your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Everyone said together. Let's give God a praise, church, for God's word.